Hello everyone and welcome to itsyourseason.life where we are discovering and living life at any age. I'm Lisa Boson. I'm here to introduce you to people like you and me who have rediscovered themselves, stretched their abilities, and to me kept their light under a bushel basket. I hear their stories and think, wow, that is so cool. These are ordinary people doing the extraordinary. So what are we doing? Well, you know how you'd love to hear your peers succeed, get inspired by those who just try? That's us. That's itsyourseason.life. Don't forget to follow us on our website, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm there sharing weekly updates and, of course, what's in season, be it people, food, feelings, and nature. So let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to this episode. It is Monday, January the 11th, and my guest today is Emily Olander. She is the co-founder of Root Shoot Malting in Loveland, Colorado. Emily and her husband, Todd, cultivated Root Shoot Malting to specialize in the highest quality local grain and craft malt available to the brewing and distilling industries. So for listeners who may not know, Northern Colorado is one of America's most esteemed locations for craft beer and the up-and-coming Colorado distilling industry. As fifth-generation farmers in Loveland, Colorado, they respect the heritage of our region's agriculture and partner closely with the beer industry. Their family has farmed in northern Colorado since 1926, and that involves farming 1,500 acres of irrigated land in beautiful Loveland. They harvest alfalfa, rye, wheat, corn, and barley. From the ground to the glass of beer or spirits we might drink in this area or beyond, Root Shoot Malting serves the best of Colorado. They've won many awards, of which we're going to discuss in this podcast, but that's not all. Root Shoot Malting is also highly involved in preserving the longevity of Colorado agriculture in their special project, the 100-Year Lease. Their motto is, together we can say family farms, one beer at a time. And welcome our guest, Emily Olander. Thanks so much for joining me today, Emily. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. I just love your story, and I want our listeners to get inspired and also kind of feel how they can connect connect with you all and, and just learn more about what you do. So let's just unpack great. it, and you just kind of go with it. Where, How did you get to this place? <laughs> I know. It's, um, we, it's been five years in the making officially, I guess, this summer, Root Shoot will celebrate its fifth year anniversary. Um, but prior to that, uh, you know, our family roots have been in Loveland since 19, early 1920s. And even prior to that, um, uh, Todd's uh, family, they originally uh, immigrated from Sweden. Uh, I think in the late 1890s, they uh, homesteaded in Longmont. So, um, you know, we've got some pretty, pretty uh, long roots here in Colorado and um, have really been farming for five generations in this area. So there's a lot to that word that's in the title of your, uh, your business name. It's not just about the barley root, but your roots, your, your roots here in Colorado and what your families have brought to this area. Right. We, we knew that we wanted to have somewhere in our, in our name of our business. And so that's kind of where it stemmed from. We knew that we, 
we always wanted to live and stay in the place that, that both of us grew up in. Um, you know, Todd is was born and raised on the farm that is still operating as Olander Farms, and I grew up down in Littleton. So, um, you know, we both have a pretty long history here in, in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, so, so he's been farming. I've been farming for hmm, close to a century now within the family. That's kind of that's amazing. A hundred years of one farm. That is, you don't see that very often anymore, especially not here in Northern Colorado. Um, so tell us, tell us a little bit more. How did you make this, not transition, like added this whole element to your, to your farming? Sure. I know a hundred years, we're coming up pretty soon, um, which is really exciting. <laughs> um, we, I guess, originally had an idea building a malt house way back in 13 or 2014 with when uh, Todd and his dad toured a brewery in Windsor. I, I was along for that um, ride as well. Uh, you know, just being in Northern Colorado, you're surrounded by craft beer. And so you feel like, you know, once, once you're able to um, legally drink beer. You, that's that's all you did is you you surrounded yourself with the craft beer community and and that was a part of your life being here in Fort Collins in Colorado. So um, we we did mini tours and I think the the missing link for us was where did these brewers get access to their grain, whether it be barley or wheat or whatever it was that they were brewing with um and we quickly found out that they were they were shipping their grains either from overseas or from out of the state so you know that not only were they 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 didn't have access to local grain but there really wasn't a a supply chain here that connected the colorado farmer to the colorado brewer so it was kind of a light bulb moment for us knowing that we had grown barley for um, both Budweiser and Coors since, well, Todd's dad, I think, started growing barley in the late 1970s, early 1980s, and had worked with Budweiser, I think, early early 80s, and then continued to work with Coors up until maybe 15 years ago. And, you know, barley was just part of our repertoire at the farm, so they knew how to grow barley. We just didn't know how to malt <laughs> or, or, or what that entailed. So um, we kind of dove a little bit deeper into it, to it and did some of our research for three or four or five years or so prior to uh, even considering building a malt house and thought that um, this was kind of our our way to both add value to our grain at the farm and to give these brewers access to the local farm community. So for those that don't know what malting is, what is malting? <laughs> Good question. The technical aspect of malting is so far over my head because it's pretty scientific, but <laughs> um, malt, there, are, there are four main ingredients that you need to brew beer. Um, malt, hops, uh, water, and yeast. 
and malt is um, you know kind of where you get most of your alcohol from so the malting process consists of um, steeping and you know tricking this grain to grow again um, in our in our in our kiln drum um, germination combo that we have at the malt house it's a big 30 foot drum that houses about 10 tons of malt. Um, we've got two of those that are that, that we currently operate with. Um, but it's about a five-day process where it's sitting in the germination kiln. And then um, the last couple days after that, uh, we kiln it. Um, and that's kind of where you um, get most of your flavors from at the very end, whether you want it to be a darker malt or uh, one that has a little bit more flavor characteristic to it. So it's, it's, it's quite the process and I kind of leave that up to um, Mikey. He's our malt house manager and him and, him and Todd have um, found a good, a good partnership in figuring out what malt and, and what brewers are, are wanting or distillers. Uh -huh. um, we also work with quite a few distillers as well. And um, it's kind of fun to to not only be able to create a malt that's specific to some of these brewers, but um, to also be creative in our process too with different grains and different varieties of barley or wheat or rye, um, Yeah, for those that are not, um, if, if I'm understanding correctly, Emily, you all have been in this just for a very short four or five years, but in this time, you all have won awards for your malting and, and grains. And so tell, tell us a little bit, how, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Along with hard work and determination, I'm sure. <laughs> a little bit of luck. I, I, I will throw that in there too, yes. So we are a part of the Craft Maltsters Guild. Uh, it's just an organization to give craft malt this voice. Um, and the last two years, the board of directors and the, the the entire guild has opened up a what's called a craft uh, craft malt cup, um, an award that just showcases your product. And I think. In 2019, uh, we won gold medal, so we were very proud of that. Yeah, um, it was for the sure. first the first year that they that they held the awards, and I think I want to say there were right around maybe 20 malt houses throughout the U.S. that had entered. So you know, it was pretty it was pretty rewarding for us, and um, just knowing that that we were creating this product that we thought was good, but that, you know, was also um, being judged on, um, on how it performed in the brew house or, um, you know, how it, how it performed in the field. Like we, we just, we knew we were creating something, but to have that, um, that, um, that clarification, I guess, that um, you, um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm losing my, I'm losing my words here. That's okay. Just pause and come back. You're good. Validation. Validation. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> Gosh, I'm like, clarification, what is this word? 
um, yes. So yes, we got we got validation that that we were producing this this award-winning malt. So that was pretty exciting for all of us at Root Shoot um, to win this to win this first place award for a malt that really is our base malt. It's our best-selling malt at the malt house because it's very versatile. You could use it for any any base malt in any beer. <laughs> so um, we were really excited about that. And then in 2020, they opened it up to two categories and we had placed third third in the Munich 10 uh, category. So that was also great to know that we had won back-to-back awards. Mm-hmm you know, two years in a row and that we were the only malt house in the U S that had done that. So, Oh, wow. Um, so it's exciting yeah. that this malt cup, I think will evolve and it's continuing for, um, it's third year coming up here in February. And we did enter, enter our, um, our couple products into, into the award, um, category this year. So, so we'll see fingers crossed that maybe we could get a third award. So, um, it's exciting. I know that, you know, on the malting side of things to win awards is really, is, is, is really pretty gratifying, but on the farm side of things too, I know that Todd, Todd has won a couple awards. Um, I know he won F- farmer of the year back in 2014. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Um, I think he won the, the who's who in, in agriculture that the Denver business journal, uh, organizes. And that was in 20. 20. Um, gosh, I think it was 2020. My, my, my timeline is all <laughs> kind of meshed together in 2020, but mm-hmm. that was early part of 2020 um, that he won that award too. So um, it's pretty exciting that, that I feel like Root Shoot is kind of making moves and being validated by what we're doing. Oh, that is fantastic. I, uh, it's, um, it's such a short period of time when all this was blossoming for you all. And I'm, I'm just going to mention uh, more for clarification on the malting. When we think about malting, and for those that don't brew beer and don't have the fortune to have a husband that brews beer like I do, and you hear a lot about beer, uh, beer br- malting <laughs> is, is, is roasting and caramelization. And so if you're ever able to go and have the experience of going through the bins and 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 understanding all the different colors and uh, scent variations there are that's probably not the right word because I'm not a brewer but it, it adds <laughs> that, it adds that color and variety and and that's really where you get a lot of your taste is is the malting process so I don't want people to think it's like a chocolate malt this is much more serious you're taking grain you're doing that first end process and then you're roasting and caramelizing it to get the exact flavor so there's a there is a lot of science and chemistry I would think to this process so there I, is. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's good. This is um it's it's just fascinating how you were all able to see an opportunity and go with it. And so thinking about kind of the next steps, what happened next as you go through this, um, you are all involved in this one hundred year lease project. Can we like switch topics just a little bit, but on topic because we're still talking about farming and grain. How did you how did that happen? Absolutely. Well, <laughs> it was kind of an evolution of a few things. Um, we had worked with a videographer to pr- 
promote Rootshoot to help us build some branding videos. And he he and 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 Todd and myself had talked about telling our story of not only the farm but Rootshoot and how we would gain access to educating this consumer whether it be a beer drinking consumer or a whiskey drinking consumer and to understand that story behind what they're drinking. So a videographer had come to us um, or we, we had come to them and um, wanted to have a monthly video that we had put out that would show every single aspect of what we do on a monthly basis, so whether that be planting or irrigating or at the malt house um, or, you know, combining or harvesting, any of those things, we wanted to capture video of that. And so that was, that took us about probably two years or three years in the making to come up with those brand videos that we could release on our website or give to our brewers to have, um, you know, something tangible to talk about with their customer as well. And in that process, it kind of, it, it kind of evolved into Gosh, like this is this is important, and the more that that, uh, that our, our videographer Traverse Image is, is their name, they're wonderful. They, um, you know, kept kept seeing over this three year process either more houses going up or oil wells that that were being built, and it was just amazing that in this short period of time the landscape was changing, and that story evolved into, hey, what if we take some of this footage that we have and talk about what you all are doing to conserve farmland? And so in that conversation with him, we also were having conversations behind the scenes with Colorado Open Lands, um, even the Cattlemen's Land and Trust, who are these conservation organizations that help protect farmland. Um, and so we decided that we wanted to make a short film, uh, a video from all of the um, short videos that he had compiled. And uh, with that, we created a hundred year lease. And the name of it, um, you know, we don't necessarily have to own the land that we farm. <laughs> you know, we are happy to lease it, but to have a long-term lease or a hundred-year lease on a piece of land that we want to always stay as an agricultural piece of land here in Colorado um, was kind of our goal. And so as we had these conversations with not only the farmer who, um, the, the local farmers who were in the area, or the landowners that we were leasing our land from, we we were trying to figure out how how we do this with with our community, <laughs> um, the people who you know make make things happen, Colorado Open Lands, for instance, and um, also kind of bring the brewing community into that. So, kind of our our connection to to let these people understand what we struggle with on a daily basis with conserving agriculture land. It's just very quickly de depleting mm -hmm. um, because development prices are very large. <laughs> so, you know, you have to, you have to try to 
either one try to convince the, this farming family who either doesn't have any family to pass their farm on to or the family is uninterested in farming um, how can we protect that land and and not have you know a thousand houses built on it so it's a hard conversation to have with some of these people because I understand the money aspect behind it too is huge for some people so I get it but I guess our passion is a little bit more um, with saving farms <laughs> and keeping farmers on farms. So that's that's been our campaign. I think 2020 um, kind of stopped us a tiny bit. We were going to have plans to have you know panel sessions and go to the to the breweries and and distilleries and have conversations with the consumer and try to make some traction with how they could help or um, you know if they could at least drink beer with with malt that was produced from a craft maltster either us or you know any of the other Colorado craft maltsters as well so um, I think that that's still still in 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 the works to try to educate the consumer a little bit more and the brewers but um we'll kind of see where that takes us the film is is out there and so that's what we're what we're focusing on for now so um we have a a, a little bit of a um traction i guess with uh sorry i'm i'm, I'm losing my train of thought that's okay positive. that's okay when, yeah, when you're ready i was rambling <laughs> <laughs> you have a little bit of traction with um so, so let me ask you this and then yes. maybe then maybe it'll come back how about that yes because you know i'm terribly passionate about agriculture coming in this area um so so a lot of our listeners may not know that Colorado was really a huge bread basket and uh, just very, very fertile all along this front range with barley and sugar beets and just other products that when I do my own research of the area, it's really just phenomenal. And, and I love progress, and I'm sure you do too, but there's also this piece of the most arable land, there's possibility that there's a house sitting on it. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, 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 I struggle with that um, because I also understand, um, and there's a lot of support in Colorado for, for those smaller farmers, and, and I'm talking about the non-huge agricultural, you know, 20,000 acre farms that may be seen in the Midwest. So there's really this push to help, um, to help some of these, um, these farmers that are doing, especially specialty crops like you are and trying to preserve these family farms. You are a farmer's wife. I know you're professional too, Emily, but you're a farmer's Mm -hmm. wife. What do you, what are some of the challenges in Northern Colorado that you see as a, as a, um, yeah, as a co-farmer with your husband, my farmer's wife. Sure. <laughs> you know, I think we are we are pretty lucky to be in where um, the the farm to table movement is it's it's pretty well known. I think that a lot of people are very interested in knowing where their food came from, um, where their where their beer was made, who who's the farmer behind it. So we are pretty lucky to have that. Um, there are definitely challenges. I think that, you know, my, my passion originally 
really has has never been farming. <laughs> um, so I I grew up in the city. I, I was I was a city girl down in Littleton, and uh -huh. um, I moved up to Fort Collins for my my very first dental hygiene position back in twenty. In let's see, I think it was two thousand and four. Uh -huh. So about 16 years ago, and and um, I met Todd kind of through a friend of a friend, through the dentist that I worked for at the time, and um, it's it's kind of, it's kind of funny. We we kind of joke that when Todd and I were first dating, I could not understand why why he would not want to hang out with me, and <laughs> and, and and he just kept giving me all these excuses because of course we met in the summer, and that's when farmers are the the most busy so you know he always had this excuse at the time I thought was that he was farming or he was in the tractor or he was irrigating or he was doing whatever he was doing at the farm and I didn't understand that it takes a lot of work to to um you know to to farm and to have this um have this 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 lifestyle as well um I think that that's what it is farming is just a lifestyle and if it's in your blood, it's in your blood, and you're just passionate about it. So I quickly learned that if I wanted to hang out with Todd over the summer, I would probably have to sit in a tractor with him. And so I did. So I, I, <laughs> I rode around in, in a combine when we were harvesting wheat or, or barley or corn at the time. And so I, I learned a lot about farming just early on in our relationship. Um, because you had to, because you had to adjust your lifestyle if, if, if this was the person that, that you wanted to be with. So, um, and I think as, as our relationship grew, I, Todd and his dad had been, um, they had been custom harvesting for the majority of Todd's, Todd's farm career and really the, the majority of Steve's farm career. And, and we knew they kind of wanted to get out of that uh, aspect of farming because they were passionate about farming itself or growing the crop itself. So they didn't necessarily want to, um, I guess, work for uh, their farmers just to harvest their crop. They wanted to do their own thing. So I think that that's where that, that, that mind shift came in where they wanted to grow their own crop, see it from start to finish, and then have a place for it to go. And so to bring value to this product and crop, something that, that they had always been thinking about since, since I knew Todd. And so finally, I think that the small house was kind of their, their way to do that and their way out of, um, and, or their way into transitioning the farm into something a little bit different where they weren't totally strangle held by, the commodity prices mm -hmm. or um by um yeah the, the the price of milk the dairy farms that that, that they worked with or the mm -hmm. price of corn and mm -hmm. so it was a way for them to um you know kind of get out of that market and mm -hmm. and kind of form their own industry and and diversify and take the risk out a little bit from um, from, from that aspect of farming so so that was exciting and that, you know, I had seen Todd grow in this 15 years that I had known him from, um, you know, being, being 
this fifth generation farmer that had been growing corn and then barley and then corn and then barley for years and years into something that that was just more important to him. So um, that was exciting. And that's kind of why I then became passionate about it because it was something that um, meant a lot to him. And, and I knew that it meant a lot really to our Colorado community. So um, it's just, it, it's been really exciting how it's, how it's evolved over the years. And, and um, I think that my role has kind of evolved to just trying to tell that story and, and, um, you know, trying to talk with, with the right people who we want to connect with. So what do you particularly love about what you're doing now? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Gosh, there are so many days where you have so many different challenges and you just, and you just want to quit. <laughs> but um, I just love, I love the community aspect of, of, of Root Shoot mm-hmm. and Olander Farms. I think that I always say that there is, there is, um, there is always um, you want to support those that support you in return and that there really isn't any, there, there's no such thing as too much community involvement. And, um, you know, if, if these small businesses are, are trying to survive and, and exist together, then, um, you know, I think that there are ways to help each other out. And so that's, that's where I think Root Shoot is is kind of set it, it set apart because of that. We've we've just been, um, especially in 2020, we've kind of had more of a philanthropic um, mindset to figure out, you know, how can we help out other small businesses, and how can we make sure that they survive because ultimately we would not be here if craft breweries and craft distilleries did not exist or home brewers or or bakers or restaurants you know there are so many different um, avenues for our malt products to go down and if these people did not exist then we we, we would not be here so um it's kind of exciting to know that we are all in in this together and we're kind of in this um opposition i guess where you aren't competing with each other you're trying to trying to survive and become better and have community involvement and um show that support excellent so you know it's yeah there's ups and downs days kind of how to kind of stay motivated um what what jazzes you up and gets you going every day, Emily? <laughs> <laughs> well, gosh, good question. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, growing up down in Littleton, and, and, and maybe you don't know this, but I'm, I'm a Columbine High School graduate as well. Mm-hmm. And I think going through that experience in 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 1999 was something that taught me resiliency mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and hmm. that <laughs> you have to hmm. have to look at the good in the world so i feel that um 
that's what motivates me is because I kind of have the second chance at life and there's a reason for that. So, um, could you, would, there you go. <laughs> would, you, would you mind going a little bit deeper on that or what was it like? Uh, sure. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess how do you, how do you really want to go with that? <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't, that's okay too. <laughs> that's okay. Um, my sister and I, we were, we were sophomores in high school at Columbine back in 1999. And, um, you know, I, her and I are twins. So we, so we, um, you know, share a, a pretty special bond. So, um, and it's just her and I, we don't have any other siblings, but, um, you know, that tragedy, I think shaped both of us for, um, you know, it, it, it shaped who we are today. You are built on on strength and courage and like i said you have to be resilient and you have to overcome some of these hurdles that that are that that you're faced with and um you kind of have to learn how to <laughs> move forward i think that um you know we we went through a significant amount of counseling through that because you know you're a kid when when that tragedy happened but um yeah you, you just you just learn to appreciate life and you just live it to the fullest knowing that your next day may not be tomorrow <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it may not come around so um i think that that's you know what i wake up to every morning is you know, that's my motivation is that I have the second chance at life and and let's do it. Let's, let's, let's make something out of it. And, you know, let's figure out what, what my purpose is, because I think that there's a reason for both of us surviving. <laughs> that is, I did not know that until we had this chat. <laughs> not many people know that. Well, I mean, yes, people that are very close to me, of course, know that, but really, I mean, I don't, I don't talk often in the in, in in my role with farming or, or brewing because um you know i guess it just doesn't come up often but that kind of those are those are the pillars that i'm i'm built upon and you know it it does define who who our family is <laughs> yeah. so. i mean it, it takes a certain degree of resilience just to be a farmer much less yes. much more going through something a tragedy of that nature at such a young age and so what is what does resilience kind of mean to you how do you how would you how would you tell others to build it or anything else you'd like to add on the topic of resilience because we all have a need to be resilient right um i know it is interesting i think that that the farming industry does kind of parallel that a little bit where you do have to be re resilient um you know there are always going to be um they're always going to be <laughs> things that are going to be very hard for you and things that are going to be just a little bit hard and you have to figure out you know what that balance is and how you get through them together so 
Um, whether it be, you know, a hailstorm and a crop is getting completely damaged, you have to figure out how do you build from there and how do you, how do you either save what you can salvage from that field or, um, you know, do you have a stockpile of it or can you work with another farmer? You know, there are always um, different ways to, to make that happen. So I think about Todd and Steve, they're just always thinking outside of the box and they're just problem solvers. I think that that's what I love about Todd is he's always thinking of what's coming up next and how can we fix this and how can we learn from it or how can we, um, you know, how, how can we get better from it? So um, I think that that, him and I are very similar in that way, where it's always kind of forward thinking and, mm -hmm. and you know, how, how can you improve and how can you, you know, help, help others around you improve. And, you know, with, with our team, especially, we love to um, have them, you know, have a creative, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? <laughs> I guess our, our philosophy is that, yes, we have to our team for sure, but we always like to have the people around us have their uh, creative freedom to do what they think is also best to make this company better. Mm -hmm. So we appreciate that. And um, I think that you know, Todd, Todd and his dad and, and even my mom too, I think that my family, they've, they've taught us that and mm -hmm. they have taught us, um, you know, to learn from your mistakes and um, kind of figure out what, what it is that, that you need to move forward. Mm -hmm. so. so so on that same topic um, of resilience and kind of building that with yourself, so Emily, I really appreciate you sharing that history of being a Columbine survivor. I mean, it's certainly not something that comes up in, in dinner tables. You don't sit and go, oh, yeah, and I was a Columbine survivor or whatever. You know, it's, 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 these are these kind of hidden things that build character in ourselves. And, and they come out at the right time. And for whatever reason, it came out today. Um, but it's a good thing because I think it's important to share with people things that happen that build our, build, build our resilience. So if you could turn back the time and talk to your 18-year-old Emily, what would you tell her? What would you tell her 15 years later? Right. I think, you know, when you're, when you're a 15-year-old girl, um, you don't understand, I think, at the time that there will always be challenges and that there will always be maybe unkind people and you have to adapt to those changes and you have to know that you have to work hard at, at reciprocating, you know, this kindness to others too. And, and, and not that I was unkind at all. I, I mean, I feel like I have a, a pretty good heart, but um, you know, there are just so many, so many times, you know, when you're, 15, 16 year old, 15 or 16 years old, that you don't understand how some of your actions will affect others. And so um, I, of course, learned that as an adult and since that time period in my life that, um, you know, you always have to be aware of 
what you're saying to people, who this person is, you know, what their history is that you may not know and how you can help them. And so that's kind of what I um, always look at when I'm, when I'm talking, you know, you're kind of always looking at your surroundings and just have to, have to be kind to people. And gosh, I, I just wish that, I mean, that resonates, especially in 2020, but so what do you know 2020 it was was a year we'll just call it that yes. and you know we all and and I love you know, I, I kindness cannot be overstated for sure uh, what do you do to reset your compass when life gets weird sure I love to be outside <laughs> how did I we love to be outside together too, but especially for myself, I think it's very therapeutic to go for a run or we have a crazy coonhound puppy that always needs attention. So, so he keeps us busy with, with holding us accountable really to, um, to go for a walk or sometimes some of the fields, actually we live in town in Berthoud, but some of the fields that we farm, they're just up the road from us. So over the summer, usually a few times a week, I take the dog out and I run to one of the rye fields and go check on it, see how things are growing and just kind of take a break and breathe and, and enjoy the scenery. And, you know, there's a really great view of Long's Peak and the mountains and the front range. And so I think that that just kind of feeds your soul a little bit to get out and have some good old fashioned vitamin D and, 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 uh, um, soak up the sun a bit. So that kind of recharges me. I have this amazing visual of amber waves of grain, purple mountains, majesty, and you and your dog <laughs> running through the fields. I, <laughs> I want everyone to embed that in their brain right now. It is so. just like that. Yes. <laughs> I'm a very pastoral person. I, 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 that is how I see Colorado. That's my That's my constant vision of Colorado. So I appreciate you supplanting that in our brains for us today. <laughs> You're welcome. So what is one thing we didn't include today that you want to highlight? It can be personal. It can be just what else do you want to, to highlight or include that maybe I didn't include? Yeah, I think you're, we are just going to continue to um, not only campaign for, for the local farm community with, with our 100 year lease film, but um, I think just to get to know, just to get to know our community a little bit too and what they need from us and um, how we can help. And I think what we're kind of missing especially in 2020 is just that social interaction with people. And that's kind of what we're built on. We form these relationships with our brewers and our distillers. And yes, we can provide them the world's best grain and, you know, they can make the world's best whiskey or beer out of it. But um, I think that have that relationship with us where you can call us up and drink a beer or, you know, go, to a movie in theory, um, you know, then that's kind of what's important to us is just building these relationships that, um, that are so meaningful. And I think that that's, um, important to our, our, 
our partners as well. So that's what we're looking forward to in, in 2021 is to get out there and share a beer with, with some of the folks that support us and hoping to have a, a, maybe a couple more festivals or um, you know bring some folks up to the field where we can hang out outside and walk in the fields with them and show them where things are grown. And I want to do that. Um, I want to do that. Yes. Okay. Come along. <laughs> I'm all over that one. Amber waves are great. Yeah. Uh, I know. You know, we um, we every year for the last four years we've hosted our field day is is, is what we call it, and it's uh-huh. um a big party ultimately to celebrate the folks that we work with, but to mm-hmm. also have an educational component to it mm-hmm. where we can sh- we can show them you know, how the barley is harvested and mm-hmm. it's usually a live um, harvest that, mm-hmm. that we have going on in the background and we incorporate mm-hmm. their beers and then we incorporate some local food and mm-hmm. so it's just a lot of fun and we've been missing that, darn it. We usually do that every year and um, we didn't have the opportunity to do that last year, but we're hoping that we can do it this year. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. It happens well, August, September-ish. So we'll see. So your 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 project's going to leave a huge leg- legacy for in northern Colorado. I can certainly see that. Um, so I hope so. <laughs> how um, so? I'm going to include uh, information about Root Shoot and the 100 year project lease in in the um, in the inter- in the introduction description of the podcast. I had, a, I had my m- mental moment there. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I let hear me, you. Let me redo this one. Okay. So let me ask you this. What do you want to be your legacy, Emily? Um, you know, I, I think that I want, I want people to know that our passion is, yes, farming, of course. But I want people to know that the involvement is, is important to us. Um, Mm-hmm. I think that we, we get that question, but, you know, what are you doing this for? And, and, and why are you doing this? Um, you know, I especially can get that question from mm-hmm. both, both sides of the family, you know, and ne- neither Todd or myself have, um, have, have really wanted kids. Um, maybe Todd more so early on, because I think you always think about passing um, you know, your, your farming values and this agriculture land down to the next generation. Um, but I guess it's not necessarily all about that. It's kind of just about something that we, we're just passionate about now in, in, in our lifetime. And we hope that, yes, nieces and nephews and um, who knows, maybe one day we will have kids, but, um, you know, maybe that will be passed down to the next generation. And we hope that 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 um, mind frame and mindset of preserving land and um, you know, hopefully keeping the longevity of Colorado agriculture um, around. And mm-hmm. um, I think that hopefully we, in our lifetime, will convey that, that significance and, and importance of family farms and what they mean to Colorado and mm-hmm. the world. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't I can't record off all the statistics on family farms, but certainly they're over the 
past decades, there has been a reduction. In, and I know I'm glad to see there's a, a push in Colorado from the state, but also from, you know, businesses like yourselves that really push and have an interest in it and want the community and all the people that are moving here to understand, you know, the importance and the value of family farms to this area. So I will put, post the your website and the video because I think the video is now the 100 the least video is on your website so people can watch it there is that correct it um, is yep it is there and how else might people follow you follow root shoot follow emily fine just keep up with your what's going on with root shoot sure we are um all over social media channels of course um of course you can find us twitter instagram and facebook um, we post different articles on facebook and Kind of behind the scenes and different stories on instagram as to what we're up to on a daily basis and um our website of course will lead you directly to everything else you need to know so um pretty easy to find <laughs> oh great well thank you so much emily for joining me today i'm sorry there was noise in the background my husband is grinding your grain down in the basement and i didn't realize we could hear it up here so oh. <laughs> Hey, I love that he's brewing right now. It's I know. Very, there yeah. you go. Yes, yeah. yes. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you for having oh. me. I'm glad that we could chat, Lisa. Oh, I am too. Thank you so much. So that's a wrap for today. We've so enjoyed you being with us. I hope you learned something new, got some inspiration, and you are ready to move forward with your own new season. Remember, we are living life at any age. Take some time to visit the other social media sites. Give us some feedback. Shoot me an email on Facebook. And remember, until then, stay safe and keep on living. Cheers. Cheers.